This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Human and their Beat Elite Mix. Beat Elite can help you extend endurance, improve energy, and increase oxygen delivery throughout the body. Visit livehuman.com slash no meat. That's livehuman.com slash no meat to learn more and save 20% off your first purchase. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Matt, I, uh, I went away for a weekend. I had a couple nights away from my kids. We're going to be talking about kids here this, uh, today. And um, my kid. I don't have plural kids to be make sure, <laughs> make sure that's, that's, uh, that's clear. But last weekend we went away and, um, you know, it's kind of nice to have a couple nights away. Was, that, was this the first time you've ever both been away from oh, your no, daughter? No, no. no we've been. This was the so. longest. Three nights. Three nights was the longest we've been away. And it was the first time in probably a year. Wow. Um, and every time I do, I'm like, you know, Why it's just have a kid. <laughs> no, 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 not that. But it's, all, you know, it's it's just like, it's kind of nice to wake up in the morning and not have to, like, have any real oh responsibilities, God. you it's know? It's so good. I mean, it really is. I mean, I love kids, of course. I wouldn't, wouldn't change anything about the situation. But the, the feeling of waking up and you don't have to do anything except for, like, read your book or whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it, it is just you. Just, it's one of those things you just do not appreciate because it seems like the simplest, dumbest thing when you don't have kids that that you would value that because why you get that every day. Right. But uh, man, if if only you could go back and give your younger self advice, <laughs> then it would not. I would not tell myself. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> take advantage of the time. Yeah. Take advantage of that time while you have it. Of course. You know, but of course, like after just after three nights, I was so excited to come home and. Uh, and give Eliza a hug, and you know that reunite reuniting was very sweet. Yeah, you know what's a tough when you're away by yourself, for me at least, and you come home, and then your wife is basically like, "Hope you enjoy yourself here," and then you're just handed the kid, <laughs> and like you're so excited for the first fifteen seconds because you're back with your kid, and then it's like, "Oh my god, I, like I need some sort of like decompression like zone." <laughs> Yeah, especially but. like like I remember, you know, when we were in Colorado recently and I came back and I was just really tired from the travel and just tired from this trip and you know, my body was all off and um and then you 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 got to be on, right? I mean, you right. know, cuz you had like, your off time. You had, you had your off time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't feel that off. No, really. And it works in fairness, it works the other way too when Aaron goes oh, away totally, and comes back, yeah. it's it's exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, but anyway, all good stuff, all fun stuff, just fun to uh whatever it is. <laughs> whatever it is that we're doing. Uh, anyway, we have a guest today, Doug, a new, well, not, not his first time on the podcast. I believe Matt Tolman, my partner in Nomi Athlete and co-founder of Compliment. He was on uh, a long time ago when we did an, uh, an episode about nutrients and supplements and things like that. I don't know. Matt, have you been on a second time since then? You know, I don't remember. Uh, I don't think so. Wrote a few things for the blog since then. Uh Feels like I'm on every podcast because I'm constantly hearing about it, but <laughs> but uh, but I don't think I actually have. Wow. Okay. Well, we're we're aiming to change that a little bit here and there gradually. Uh, you've always been kind of a behind the scenes person in the in the I don't know two and a half maybe three years we've been working together, but uh, you are, are wanting to do a little bit more more front of house work, and I think it's a good idea because you certainly have a lot. Uh, a lot of knowledge to share, your own go vegan story, uh, your own ups and downs, your own cycling crash, almost dying stories, and uh, a lot to add, as well as a lot of nutrition nerdiness as well, like like we you know value here. 
Yeah, we were we, we were talking about what to what to discuss on today's show. And by the way, I have my own thoughts about leaving my 15 month old, which I've never done, and uh, <laughs> hear you guys talking about it, and I have incredible jealousy for for that because uh, I don't think I'm ready yet. But but anyway, maybe we can get into that. <laughs> but we'll have to come. Uh, we'll have to have another show dedicated to uh, telling that story of the bike crash. Yes, definitely. So this one we're we, sticking. We love a good near death experience here. <laughs> yeah, with, we can post pictures and all that. The whole deal. Uh, so anyway, near, we near death to... is near death <laughs> is the critical word there, right? That's exactly right. Uh, so we're sticking to parenting, vegan parenting, which we've talked about before on this podcast, but uh, not not in too much depth. And we've done a couple episodes here and there, some with guests, some just me and Doug. Uh, but to, to have another voice in here, we thought would be interesting, especially one who's a little bit less experienced with parenting now than Doug and I are. Um, so yeah, that's the plan, and we will we'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, let me be the first to say that I think you know a lot about my own nutrition. Um, maybe I'm self-centered uh, in that way, but like I care so much more about my son's nutrition <laughs> than myself. Uh, probably then you know close second my wife's nutrition, especially as she's pregnant. But like the the intensity uh, and the seriousness with which I approach my son's diet is is got to be unhealthy in itself. And so I would love to hear how you guys have wrestled with that because like just the other day, you know, we went to a restaurant and um, I think he ate really well. You know, it was a beet burger, um, you know, but it was like, you know, it's probably a shared griddle and like what else was on that griddle and like, is there oil in there? And, you know, of course he's eaten some other whole foods along with it and it's not like we go out to lunch uh, very frequently uh, and don't bring his food. But like, I I was like consumed with thinking about his nutrition. And yeah, I'd love to hear how you guys wrestle with that anxiety. And then maybe we can get into some tips and tricks as, you know, like I said, he's 15 months now. He just stopped nursing as uh, we have our second on the way. And so my uh, wife, Adriana, had to uh, break uh, wean, I think we call it, right? And uh, and so now, like, what he's putting into his body is even more important because he's not getting that that milk subsidy that we've enjoyed for the last fifteen months. Yeah, I, re- I remember when uh, when Eliza weaned. It was I, I started thinking a lot more about the nutrition side of it because you know before it was kind of like even though even when she started eating some solids. Uh, I just assumed that anything that she really needed, she could pull from, from the breast milk. Um, and you know, so, so I didn't worry too much about it. And then when it was all whatever food that we were giving her, the pressure was, was definitely on. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a common theme that I've heard many times that the per, the parent is, is vegan or maybe vegetarian or whatever, whatever they are. Um, and they've, they've always been just kind of, cavalier not irresponsibly so but just kind of you know what happens to me happens to me it's my own decisions and if and if it turns out that i made a mistake with my diet um i can live with that right i'll be okay with the fact that i knew i was experimenting with something that you know not not that you have reason to believe it's unhealthy but just something that's not the norm yet um and you know you can be fine with that it's it's a little bit harder even when you fully believe this is the right thing to just to do something that is different from what most people are doing even in you know place where we're we live in Asheville. I'm sure it's the same in Boulder where Matt lives. Um, you know, it, it's not uncommon here, but it's certainly not what most people do still. So you just, it just, you know, there's, it just goes back to that old social, 
whatever tribal uh you know you don't want to get kicked out of the pack you know you don't yeah. right. and so when you hear people <laughs> saying you're doing the wrong thing it's really hard not to listen even when you truly believe that you're doing the right thing so um yeah so we're, i'm the exact same way you i just do not want to mess up something that was that is my decision for somebody else you know you just you just don't want to mess that up so common theme yeah. for sure and i think i think the reality is you know that for me at least the social pressure is even secondary to like the uh i don't know kind of um the the real pressure that like you say you just you don't want to screw it up right and as we all know nutrition is so impactful from you know the way he grows the way his brain develops to just everything downstream you know and and setting him up with that foundation and honestly i i have to say you know in the last six seven years that i've been vegan I have never once questioned the diet myself. I spent two years researching. Like I, I became absolutely convinced, never once thought about going back. And for the first time, you know, with Mateo, my son, I've like thought through, you know, kind of, is it fair for me to decide this for him, right? And am I like, for instance, you know, doing something that's extreme, that like I'm only doing really because I believe in this movement. I, I don't like want to add to animal suffering. I, I don't want to add to my impact, my our footprint on the environment, right? So like I'm making these decisions, but but like am I being so extreme just be, to like adhere to my own values? And and is he suffering as a result? And should maybe like get just a little bit of egg every once in a while? Like it's the first time I've ever question that and i'm happy to say that i'm I'm still very much vegan and he's still very much vegan but like i i think that that kind of pressure really does force you to call into question a lot of deeply held beliefs so i don't really think about it to that level i have started to go down <laughs> that path before and then i've stopped and said there's no end to this like if i if i just start thinking about every possible thing I can do right or wrong. You're asking questions for which there aren't answers eventually. I mean, it's just, it's just too hard. Maybe you can research and eventually inform an opinion. Um, but for me, what I do is I look at other people's kids and I see fat, out-of-shape kids and I see kids who eat at McDonald's, you know, five times a week. And I see kids who, you know, are constantly just playing video games with Cheetos right next to them and just eating that. And I think, okay, if I'm messing up some minor detail of this plant-based diet... But I see that my kid is active and happy and, and, you know, a normal weight and they eat, you know, actual food. Then I, I don't really feel like, I don't know. I just, it, it really helps me feel like it doesn't really matter that I get this exactly right. Uh, granted, there are some things you can screw up. If you didn't give your kid a B12 source, of course, that would be very bad. Um, but if you take them to the doctor with any regularity, I mean, they're, they're going to help notice that thing, even if you miss that somehow. Um, you know, and there are a few other supplements that are that are important, but like, I don't know. I just think I think it, it's so easy for us to think like, well, the default must be the the kind of the right thing, and you better work really hard if you can do anything except for the default. But when the default is the standard American diet, which is just a terrible track record, uh, I don't know. I'm not saying you don't have to think about it, but basically, you, you don't go that far wrong by saying I'm going to give my kids real food and and a variety of it. Yeah, it's always good to compare yourself to the masses, right? <laughs> you realize that you can't possibly be doing that bad, you know? Right. Which is, which is uh, granted, a low standard, right? And there are a lot of times when, when you know, comparing yourself to the masses is not 
that's just not the comparison, not necessarily the peer group you want when you're when you're trying to set standards for personal, you know, whatever, excellence or whatever, right? It's just it's kind of a cop out, but it's helpful <laughs> when when you with something like this where you're really worrying about if this is the right decision or at least some small part in the back of your mind because it's not normal. Um, yeah, I just, I just think it, that helps me for sure. I, I think well, for me, it 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 just demonstrates like that we can hyper-focus, right? We could put all of our energy into making sure that every little piece of food that goes into our kid's mouth or our own mouth, for that matter, is perfectly clean and whole food and this and that, uh, you know, or we could just say, you know, I grew up eating a lot of rice aroni and, um, you know, hamburger helper and like that stuff is like just packed with chemicals and like nasty stuff, right? And, you know, and, and I think I turned out okay, right? So, like, our parents didn't know what they were doing any more than we know what we're doing. In fact, we probably know a lot more about what we're doing than our parents did. Um, and, you know, so as long as we're just covering the bases, like you said, as long as we're supplementing into some capacity, hitting the big stuff, taking them to the doctor, making sure that they're, they're healthy, paying attention to their weight, how they're feeling, how much energy they have, et cetera, um, then we can't really be messing them up that bad, <laughs> <laughs> at least that's that's what I hope. I mean, I think I think the fear in people's head, at least, and and in mine too. When I was starting out and was new at this, the fear is like, yes, that rice aroni and Kraft mac and cheese and the stuff that we all grew up eating, and that like by default you would give your kids if you didn't start to develop your own thoughts about how you know you might feed them differently. Right. There's this idea that like, yes, that's full of chemicals and you know clearly processed food, but. Maybe it has something about it that just works because we've had all these people who, you know, they may be obese, but it worked, right? It got them to adulthood. They're still alive. It, like, so I think people have this fear of like, wow, maybe, and the protein thing, right? Maybe maybe that we're missing that protein and you're not going to notice it at first, but mm-hmm. after, after 15, 20 years of that, you're going you're gonna to see that your bones never fully developed and then you're in trouble. So I think, I think for me, like looking at the food, like that certainly helps to say, look, this is real food. That isn't. Um, yeah. But that's why I talked about when I when I see obese kids, of which there's no sort shortage now, and you just look around and they're everywhere. Uh, that that for me says like, wow, like my kids are on a different path than that, and that tells me that that the diet I'm choosing for them is a better choice than that one. I know there's other fat, other factors as well, of course, genetics, activity, all that stuff. Um, but diet's a huge one, and I, I think it to me that just helps me feel like this is good. Plus, I mean, if you get a, a doctor who's supportive and i'm not saying go to a vegan doctor who's going to defend your diet choices at all costs uh yeah but but find a doctor who who is open-minded um like ours is and and then i don't know he i feel like we're his best patients like he loves seeing my kids he says (laughs) he just says how great they are he wishes all parents would you know be this he doesn't say i wish all parents would be vegan he says i wish all parents would be as mindful as you guys are about this stuff and i just think that's i don't know that helps a ton of course so i think that's I think that's really important. You know, my wife and I go to uh, a doctor who is very much not vegan for that reason. And, you know, I do blood tests every three to six months just for fun, uh, even though I hate uh, the process, like to a, you know, sweating, hyperventilating kind of fear of uh, blood drawing. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, the challenge that she provides, uh, I think is so important to like call into question stuff. And, but like you said, you know, she's like, she loves us because she's like, wow, you guys are are young and healthy and like want to come to me for like preventative health. Like it's amazing, you know? And likewise, 
with our uh, pediatrician, you know, she's very much not vegan, but accepts that, you know, look, this, this is a, this is a diet that you can be healthy on. So, you know, go for it. Um, let me ask you guys a, a specific question. Did you ever get, uh, into the milk debate because the New York times, uh, just published an op-ed by, uh, some scientist or pediatrician talking about the fact that like nowhere else in the natural world do, animals drink milk after you know uh their their baby phase um and obviously it was in response to some advisory panel that was uh i think concocted um with the support of some corporations that may or may not have an interest in promoting milk so there's that whole debate and uh and like i said mateo just started drinking ripple actually which is a fantastic uh uh pea protein milk but like I think to myself and I'm like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's getting a little dose of vitamin D and B12. He, of course, takes compliment um, and he's getting a little extra pea protein, uh, even though it's an isolate, maybe not my favorite. Um, but it helped us with the weaning process. And I'm sure we're going to end it at some point. Um, but I know this is a question that a lot of parents have because uh, an entrepreneur um, who I've been talking to over the years, uh, or not years, months, because she's going through this with her son and she's a paleo kind of thinker and, and trying to figure out like how to add a bunch of coconut Wait, they're paleo thinkers. Well, you know, like she, oh, burn. she's a, <laughs> burn. she's, she's, she's a, sorry, Matt, she's a, a believer in paleo <laughs> things, but, but enough. So also in, in plant-based things, which is why I talked okay. to her. Good. Good. <laughs> um, no, she's on the fence, and uh, and look, I often say that we have th- we are closer to the ancestral diet people uh, as vegans than we are to standard American diet sure. people. Definitely. You know, like we all believe in whole foods and and not you know weird chemicals and processed stuff. So anyway, but but she's like creating her own milk, um, you know, putting coconut fat and all this stuff to so, like you know, make sure that he gets all this fat. And anyway, so I've just been thinking about it and there's this whole debate, like I said, in the New York Times. So I'm curious if you guys, what, what did you do? And Matt, I know it was a couple of years ago, but if you can remember. Yeah, so our, when we were vegetarian and we had Holden when, when we were still vegetarian, our doctor, not a natural, this was back in uh suburb of, of Baltimore where it was, you know, somewhat less progressive, I guess, attitudes. Um, and he said, yeah, yeah, sure, fine if he's going to be a vegetarian baby, but you need to make sure he's on whole cow's milk until he's two years old. Uh, and then we, so we ended up becoming vegan when he was one year old, and we kept him on that because we just kept listening to that advice. Um, and then I don't know, I don't know how we eventually got him off of that, but we did. Uh, I, I heard those messages very early on just from the Nomad Athlete exposure that, or, or being exposed to things that Nomad Athlete exposed me to, um, in fact, there's a there's a guest post on Nomad Athlete by Courtney Carver, um, who I think it was called like Milk It Does a Baby Cow's Body Good or something. And she pointed out there what you just said that other animals don't don't drink milk past infancy. Further, they don't drink the milk of another species. Like that just doesn't happen. Right. I mean, I guess maybe if you if you were starving or struggling to survive and you find a, a some animal that's 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 pregnant or nursing, that then then it is a good opportunity to drink their milk, right? Like that. That happens, I guess, in nature. But other than that, it's not like you habitually drink the milk of another species. And that's why it's so, like, if you look at human breast milk, like, it, I think the protein percentage of that is really low. 
it's like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong numbers here, but I think it was somewhere in like the maybe between three and 7% range, somewhere in there. I don't know. There's not a high number. Um, cows milk protein, much higher in protein, I believe. Uh, so already it just seems like an odd choice that we would just, we would just say, well, this is milk and that's milk. So this, they must be interchangeable, uh, even though their nutrient composition is different. And even though a cow is meant to gain a thousand pounds in a year or whatever, um, so I don't know. Those those were pretty compelling to me, and I was I was buying these ideas that, uh, like you said, not totally unlike the paleo ideas that we should we should look to, you know, nature for for examples. Um, so I never really wrestled with that too much, and and never really had had problems. Um, you know, I think I think fat is an important thing to make sure kids get. It's easy, right. even even today. Like it's easy for us to to have a dinner on the. T- In fact, just today I served Holden lunch. Uh, and it was a a rice bowl with tofu that had some garlic powder and ginger powder on it and some broccoli and a little bit of soy sauce or tamari. And then I realized that the lunch had no fat in it. I mean, other than small amount that might be in the tofu, you know, just just not much fat. Thankfully, he drank that that uh, shake that I just published on No Meat Athlete a week ago because um, he drinks two of those a day, and he had just had that, so I wasn't too worried about his fat. But I just thought, like, it's really easy to to – when you eat whole foods, it's kind of easy to leave the fat source out, especially if you don't cook with oil that much. Um, so, you know, you do have to watch out for that. And and milk or, I guess, these vegan milk alternatives, um, you know, like like Ripple, I think they focus on on the omega-3. So, like, you can you can replace that way. To me, that's so much more important than and, and better than the pea protein isolate. Like, I wouldn't want to be giving pea protein isolate to, to a baby. Uh, but the fats, definitely. So, yeah. The, the fats were always my concern, too, and that, I thought that was kind of the best argument, not necessarily for milk, but, you know, just as, as using milk uh, with kids just to as a way to, like, have a glass of of something that's really pretty fatty. Um, and so we did pay attention to that, especially as we were kind of just starting to wean her off and introducing more foods, um, uh, you know, making sure we were doing lots of avocados, a little bit of oil, some things that were just a little bit fatty for for Eliza. Um, but you know, honestly, like we use plant milks. She drinks, uh, unsweetened, unflavored soy milk most of the time. Um, she has some for breakfast every morning and, and she likes it. And I, and I have no problem giving it to her because it's, uh, it's, you know, it's fairly low sugar. Um, it's a good source of protein in the morning. She likes it because it's an alternative to water. And basically all she ever drinks is water, soy milk or tea and um and you know so we use we use milk all the time and you know she's three and i don't i don't really plan to move her away from that at all by the way this just occurred to me because uh i think soy milks sometimes have a warning on them that says they're not meant to be a substitute for for breast milk if i'm wrong about that i'm not sure if you're wrong about that but yeah we should definitely clarify that we're not talking about when (laughs) you're when you're no. When you would be breastfeeding or using right. for We're talking milk. about when you're out of the nursing phase, mm-hmm. what what do you do as far as, you know, going to milk? Toddlers. So, Toddlers. Yes. So this is not this is not suggesting that you that you whip up a plant based homemade milk concoction and instead <laughs> no, of no, breastfeeding no. use Definitely that. Definitely not. Yeah. Um Okay. All right. So I think we got a couple more topics we want to jump on, on here, but uh, why don't we take a second to thank this week's sponsor? Matt, you know I'm a runner, right? I do know that, Doug. I think everybody that has occurred to me. <laughs> and and you know, I like the long runs. I like to kind of play in the mountains for several hours on end. Uh, but you also know that I can hit my limitations just like everybody else. I'm not superhuman. 
as much as I would like to pretend I am. But that's why I was pretty excited to learn about Beetleet by Human. Beetleet is a powder that you just mix directly with a little bit of water and take it about 30 minutes before your workout, 20 to 40 minutes before your workout. Uh, and the powder is made from a concentrate of beet crystals that has this natural chemical reaction with your body, widening your blood vessels to allow for greater blood flow and therefore, of course, more oxygen to your muscles. It's super easy to take and you can start seeing results and feeling those results almost immediately on that first workout. So it's not something that has to build up in your system. It just reacts right away. Beat Elite is trusted by hundreds of elite teams, athletes, and organizations all over the world. And for good reason, because the beat stuff, if you look up the science on, on beats and athletic performance, there, there really is something to it. So check that out. Uh, take your game to the next level with Beat Elite by going to livehuman.com slash no meat and get 20% off your first purchase. The team at Human is making this offer exclusive to NMA radio listeners and you don't find a deal like this anywhere else. So visit livehuman.com slash no meat to learn more. That's livehuman.com slash no meat and save 20%. Hey, by the way, I know I wasn't uh, part of that pitch, but uh, for the record, I genuinely use Be The Lead and actually uh, really enjoy it. Maybe it's all in my head, um, but it's I not. really That's do. That's what I said. There's science about it. It really is. I, I know. Well, there are a lot of things my... where it is, but this this is not one. If it's in my head or if it's in my body, it doesn't matter, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's true. Placebo um, effect is still in effect. Yeah. No, but I'm a huge fan. And, uh, um, uh, yeah, I'll always remember when uh, when John Pierre, who was uh, kind of a celebrity fitness trainer to Ellen DeGeneres and, and a friend of ours, obviously, um, he, he introduced me to it the first time. And he's like, yeah, it's like Viagra. You know, it works the same way. Vasodilator, <laughs> baby. And I'm like... Wow, you are such a wholesome guy. Like, seriously, <laughs> he is the greatest, like, most compassionate person in the world. Yeah. Um, like, I honestly can't speak highly enough about him. And it was just, like, so jarring to hear him compare it to Viagra. Um, but, yeah, anyway, I, I haven't tested that claim. But huge fan in the gym or on a bike or on a run uh, of Beats and Beat Elite. <laughs> <laughs> So, parenting, kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't given Beat Elite to Mateo, but Is I'm just... Mateo got uh, made by Beat Elite's help? <laughs> Eliza eats beets. She had my beets. Mateo likes beets. Here's, here's, a, great, here's a great question for you, uh, parent, uh, accomplished parents. Um, <laughs> uh, Matt's slightly more accomplished than Doug, just based on years. I right? have kept, survived and, a long time. Exactly. Yeah. That's the measure. That's the measurement of a successful parent, right? I, I guess think. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of them at least. It's a very important one. Um, what do you do when a kid is picky? Because you know it was amazing to me when we introduced uh, Mateo to certain foods. Like he had never. I mean, obviously his first food was like you know uh, um, avocado, and uh, and he you know it was kind of it was it was iffy on it, but then like loved it. And like as slowly, though, obviously, over the course of eight, 12 months, like we've gotten a little bit more lenient and, you know, and so he's like had some like pan fried potatoes or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and uh, and so he's realized that like some things taste better than others. And in particular, 
usually what's on mom and dad's plate is actually better than what's on his plate. So I actually have to serve half of his food into my plate just to trick him into thinking that we're like, we're eating the same thing so I can feed him off my plate. Cause he like notices. <laughs> right. Um, so what, what have you guys done? I know it's kind of tactical and we've probably already lost the listeners who don't have kids, but I'm curious, what have you guys done, uh, to, for, for the pickiness? Doug, I know, I know Eliza's got a, got a good one, so why don't you go first? I've got a few as well, but I'm going to take yours. Uh, are you talking about the garden? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I didn't, I didn't want to give the wrong example if there was a good one that I forgot about. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, well, one thing that's been – or one thing that someone told us pretty early on was that you need to introduce a kid, a flavor to a kid. I think it's three times. It might be five times before they grow any sort of opinion, like true opinion on it. And so you can't just – you know, give them broccoli and then, um, you know, if they don't like it the one time, then just never give, give it to them again. Like keep introducing it to them. And then, you know, over a couple tries, then they'll begin to develop a flavor for it, a taste for it. Um, but, you know, Eliza, I would say is not super picky, but of course, you know, she's a kid and some things have stronger tastes than others. And, and those tastes aren't necessarily something that she wants. Um, but what's been really helpful for us is involving her in the process of cooking. Cause if she is involved in the cooking itself, um, then she's much more likely to eat it than if, uh, if we just served it up on a plate and, and told her to eat this like green stuff that tastes super bitter. Uh, but the, you know, but the bigger thing has actually been, and the, again, this is kind of getting her involved is like during the summer, she'll eat anything out of the garden. She'll eat an entire salad just like walking through the garden grabbing a a thing of kale and just like chow down on this thing of kale then she'll get a tomato and she'll eat at this tomato and she'll get some arugula and yada yada and she's like developed a whole salad in the garden in her mouth um and then as soon as we pick that stuff and go inside and i chop it up and put it on her plate she won't touch it (laughs) but (laughs) but she'll eat it if we're outside and in the garden and i've actually found that she does the same thing in the grocery store we started getting you letting her use those um those like little mini kid carts, you know, they can push around. Looks like a shopping uh-huh. cart, only like customer in training. They say on them. Yeah, customer in training carts. <laughs> and and um, you know, so I let her pick out all of the healthy foods, and then my cart looks like a big junk food pile. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so her her cart's like loaded up with all these fruits and veggies, and she'll just. And I've noticed that she, as we're walking around, she's like just ripping off chunks of kale and like lettuce and stuff like that as we're walking through, and it's just kind of gross because they're not really washed or anything, but. I think it's I think it's all right because she's eating plus it. Plus larceny, right? <laughs> yeah, plus that. I guess if they weigh it, yeah. I guess it's yeah. I guess we can get in trouble for that. But yeah, uh, but anyway, the the tip of like involving her has been has been really big. And if she feels like she has some control over what she's eating, because you know she picks whatever food we're cooking or or you know which ingredients we want to put in the stir fry, then um, then that's been that's been really big. You know, yeah, Mateo so, does the same thing in my backyard, but we don't actually have a garden. So <laughs> yeah, I gotta, like, we're, we're working on that. The, <laughs> acorns have, and leaves. Well, we have too many wild animals. So like I planted, a, I mean, literally anything that comes up that isn't, uh, I mean, like evergreen uh, deer resistant type bush, uh, it's just gone in a day. <laughs> yeah, we have similar, similar problems, but some things, some things make it. Um, but I feel like for me, Doug, you mentioned cooking. I feel like I started liking more foods when I started actually cooking things. Like oh, I didn't yeah. like vegetables that much either, but then I started making them. And somehow when you, when you're involved before, like you said, before the, the 
kale or the spinach is mushy, um, it's just it's just you, once you understand where it came from, like you just and see how it got to that point, you understand that there's not really any, this grossness that you thought there was with it. Granted, you could still make something to the point of grossness, but like <laughs> for me, I don't know. Once I started cooking, it just changed it. So I think that's a very natural way. It's just just involve the kids with any of these things you're doing, which I realize like works with not just food, like almost anything. If you just involve them and help them understand more fully the whole mm. situation, granted, situations where you don't do that, but like the more that they can just kind of be a part of it and be allowed to make their own decisions with some things, um, yeah. it's just it's just kind of like it's 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 for me it has been like the ultimate parenting hack. It's just like the thing that like it takes all this work off of you because now you don't have to do parenting anymore. All I have to do is like be <laughs> real and talk about things, and then I don't know. It just things just work better that way. So yeah, like for, when when they think that. Or when you when you present, do you want peas or broccoli with your dinner, and they don't realize that you, they could say no to both of them, <laughs> you know. Then, but they choose broccoli then uh, or peas or whatever. Like they're much more likely to eat it than if you just uh, gave them a plate of peas. Yes, definitely. At least and that's I've, my experience. I've, I've heard that about toddlers that they they like exerting. They have very little choice in their world, and they like they like having the chance to have some. So if you just put some guardrails on them and say, "Here are your two choices. Pick one." If they pick it themselves, they they tend to be a little bit happier. So that's good. Um, I also think Pretty like, sure that applies to everyone, adults too. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah, um, but I think like just in general, not tolerating pickiness in, in terms, or I should say, not catering to it, because uh, I think it's very easy. And we made this mistake in the early days of like your kid doesn't like dinner. This is when they start start having some some opinions. Uh, they don't like their dinner, so you make them a new thing, and then. You know, the next night they also don't like that, or they want that same new thing again that you made them. Because now this is a viable alternative that they know you can just make up, and I, you can't really get involved in that because that's just like a losing battle. I think so. We just kind of cut that out and said, Good one. "You don't have to eat everything that's on your plate, but like you, we want you to try things. That's the, you have to try things. If you don't like it, that's fine. But there's not going to be a whole lot of other choices, right? Like, and and of course we are respectful and we're going to make things that we know they're likely to eat. It's not just like we make what we eat and then say you have to eat it or you starve, uh-huh. but um, I don't know. I just find that like not not presenting, to, kind of forcing them to choose that or or something worse, which is being hungry. Uh, that helps to get rid of the pickiness pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, and actually, the um, you know, you said you don't just feed them what you're making and make them starve, but you know, we, we have gotten the routine of of like we pretty much only give her what we're eating, uh, and she can she can choose not to eat all of it, right? right? Like, like there are certain foods and certain spices and certain things that she might not like. But like if we're having stir fry that night, then she's having stir fry at, you know, that looks pretty similar mm-hmm. to us uh, that night as well. And I think that that like, A, that helps with not having to cook a bunch of more stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, it kind of, we're leading by example a little bit and, and kind of removing the option to have like, that vegan nuggets instead. Right. Um, right. And the last thing I've got on this is uh, just to keep trying and like try all different ways of presenting stuff. Cause a lot of times uh, when a kid doesn't like something, it's not the flavor, but the texture that they don't like. And certainly there are times when it's the flavor as well. But like my son, he's never really been a bean eater. He just hasn't liked beans, which is like, I can't believe he's made it to age nine in the vegan family, <laughs> not eating beans. Um, which is why he's like the probably the the worst eater in our house as far as the quality of his diet, because um, we just I don't, in the early days we were feeding those chicken nut those whatever the garden uh, chick apostrophe and things like that was his like meal when when we were having stuff he didn't want before we knew better uh, so he just sort of developed the taste for those not so good foods um, but anyway we've just realized like the bean thing 
like, yeah, he still just isn't going to eat beans if we give him a plate of beans or bowl of beans, but he's fine with them if they're just disguised in certain ways. So, like, tofu is one way of getting him beans. Granted, not whole beans, but beans. Uh, we can we can serve, stir beans into his smoothie, believe it or not, and he won't notice that necessarily as long as we keep the level of them low. Uh, it's easy to blend beans into pasta sauce. Uh, hummuses he will do, and if we make something like you know, red lentils, which we, he won't eat if he knows it's a bean, but if we tell him that's a hummus, it's just a different, slightly different seasonings, then he'll eat that in a wrap or something. So like for us, it's just been trying lots of different ways of, of getting that food in there. Not, not always sneaking it in, just trying it in different forms, maybe talking about it in a different way. Um, but mm-hmm. thankfully we finally kind of come out of that, the bean thing. Yeah. The lentil, the like bean pasta, lentil and chickpea yep. pasta and stuff like that. That has been a game changer, uh, both like going back to the first part of the discussion where we were talking about worrying about things. Um, but, you know, like I know that if, if I'm making her a chickpea pasta, which I used to never, ever buy for myself, it would always be whole wheat or something like that. Um, you know, then at least I know she's getting some beans and she's getting, you know, you know, some stuff that like, even if she didn't have a pile of beans right next to it, then she's still getting that protein. Definitely. Trader Joe's red lentil pasta is amazing. So I don't know if we have time, but the next on my list is exercise. I'm thinking I'm going to get him into the gym around the 18-month mark. Is that too <laughs> early? Or... Nope. No. Nope. I would say <laughs> that no, might even be a little late. Yeah, yeah, weightlifting is, is beneficial at all ages. It uh, mm-hmm. doesn't matter how young. So just get him in there. Don't supervise or anything either. Just just yeah. set him loose. Well, it's, I mean, he does a lot of body weight exercise already. You know, He's constantly... <laughs> I mean, the kid is, uh, th- that's one reason I don't give him beat elite is because I worry that it's <laughs> just going to like, I mean, he's already got too much energy. You know, <laughs> you know we're not yeah. actually, I, I'm like, I try to get my son to go to the gym at YMCA. You can't even get them in there when they're like up to age, I don't know, 10 or something. Like he's still not allowed to go in the gym. Oh, really? No. Or the weight room, I should say, you can go to the gymnasium part, but yeah, to go in the weights and see that scene, you just can't, can't do it. Eliza likes going to the gym. Of course, she just goes to the play area and plays. But I think, honestly, I think that's a, you know, we, we talk a lot about, like, displaying good habits for our kids. And I, I think that, you know, if she starts liking to go to the gym now, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know when she would, when I would actually encourage her to go to the gym. It'd be a very long time from now, if at all. But, um, you know, but I, I think that, like, she sees me exercising and enjoying it. And then she gets excited about going to the gym where people are exercising and enjoying it. Um, I don't know. Seems good, I think. Yeah, Definitely. I think I think honestly, uh, and I uh, I haven't given a lot of thought to this, so I'll try not to say anything too uh, so universal. But for me, one of the most important lessons I could teach my son is like the to enjoy exercise, like to run. You know, honestly, I was overweight for most of my childhood, and I remember going to tennis camp and. Uh, like at the end of the week, uh, you had to run like a mile and, and that was like part of like the score or whatever. Uh, there was some reason to it, I'm sure. And I remember like it ruined the entire week because yeah. like, I was just like, it, I was consumed by the fact that I had to run an entire mile and like now I can go and bang out, you know, 10 to 15 and I just, I love it, right? Like you, you just get that runner's high, and I'm like, and and it's just because I grew up in a household that it just wasn't a thing, you know, running for pleasure, exercising like that. I had to learn in my twenties, and if I could send my kid to high school knowing 
or you know having that that life skill i think you could call it where you know if you're stressed like you go and you just do a 15 minute run i just think that is so incredibly important definitely agree it is i still don't have it i don't think but uh i wish i did and but i had the same experience as you did in high school i or middle school i guess i i hated that mile run day it was the worst mm-hmm. and i would taste <laughs> blood every time i did it and i just hated it and i and i just dread like all school year i remember just knowing eventually this year we're gonna have to run that mile one day and it's just gonna suck i don't know why i just didn't slow down i guess you just didn't, didn't want to be too slow but i just thought you had, <laughs> i thought you just go hard i mean they said pace yourself but sprint the entire time somehow you did that like yeah i don't know it's just i mean mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy that it's just take kids who don't run ever and then say go run a mile yeah and and whoever's slowest gets made fun of by everybody else I was going to say the competition part and the social <laughs> pressure, I think maybe we should leave that for another conversation because uh, yeah. that's a whole can of worms. But if it weren't for that, I because I now you're now you're conjuring up all sorts of negative emotions for me. But I do remember <laughs> there's definitely that sort of like I, I'm going to take 25 minutes to run this mile, <laughs> be made fun of. <laughs> yeah, I think. uh so just on the exercise, the one, and this, this might be in part because, you know, Katie owns a yoga studio and is a yoga teacher, but yoga uh, has been by far like the thing that Eliza gets the most excited about. And I think it's a great uh, exercise for, for her to like, you know, something for her to kind of get into as a, as a kid, you know, aside from just running around chasing balls and that kind of thing, um, actually doing some yoga with Katie or with myself or, or whatever, she gets super into it. And, um, and I, I, I'm really glad about that and so for me that's i think i think the skill of being able to focus your mind on something and not especially these days as cliched as it is uh that is the life skill that i really want my kids to to have and i think i think meditation or or yoga uh which would be a nice combination perhaps of the fitness and the meditation um Mm -hmm. i think that is an excellent life skill do you do you do 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 you do any mindfulness stuff with with your kids yeah we do we do some of that i mean holden and i right now meditate just for 10 minutes a day together Mm -hmm. um but he used to do much more on his own, actually, in the mornings. Um, <laughs> we're trying to get him back into it. Um, my daughter does not has not done any of that yet. She, we've tried a few times, but she just she's just awful at it. I mean, she, we just try, and she just starts talking right away. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't work yet. But we're when getting I, there. When I first met Matt, and probably the reason I was so impressed by him is because uh, at that point, Holden was like journaling, meditating, like, you know, uh, volunteering, you know, he was like picking up trash. I mean, he was the most remarkable, like whatever it was, seven-year-old that I had ever met in my life. So uh, I'll always remember that. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. It's taken me 35 years to get to where this kid is at seven, you know? (laughs) Me too, in some ways. All right. Well, this has been good, guys. I look forward to another conversation like this sometime. And I uh, hope everyone else enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, MT, for, for joining us. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to all three be on an episode. I think we should maybe try this again sometime. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all the tips. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Talk all to right. everybody next week. Bye. Bye.